break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here with you on The Punch-Out, 9th of June, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. Going to be talking about some Iraqi politics. Going to be talking about a fight around reparations and Namibia. But before we get to either of those two critically important stories, we're going to start with the mythical swing state moderate voter. Joe Manchin reopened controversy this week regarding the filibuster and whether or not it should be ended after writing an op-ed in the Charleston Gazette Mail stating that he would not vote for H.R. 1, the For the People Act which would expand voting rights, mainly because it's quote-unquote partisan legislation. That means no Republicans support it in his view. Now, whether or not making it easier for people to vote can be seen as quote-unquote partisan because Republicans oppose it is one issue. But more to the point, the actions of Manchin and also Kristen Sinema and the six or seven other Democrats hiding behind them on refusing to end the filibuster to do anything to help anyone have raised again this issue of the so-called swing state moderate. That voter, and I'm sure we all know this guy, right, who just says, you know, who cares about bridges and dams collapsing? Who really cares if the schools are falling down or no one has any days off for childcare? Who cares about any of that as long as we make sure we have bipartisanship? Now, obviously, I'm joking here, but sadly, it's not really much of a joke because the mansions of the world rest their entire political branding on representing these so-called moderates who care more about a fake rule called the filibuster than getting a paid day off. So I decided to take a quick look at the polling on many of these issues being held up in the Senate right now and how in West Virginia and other so-called swing states where Democratic senators have been either obstructionist or that allegedly Democrats might lose by pushing through bills without any Republicans are feeling about these things. Now, just quickly on H.R. 1. We don't have as much polling on that as some of the other items, but in a new poll this week, it turns out in West Virginia, 79% of people support the For the People Act. In Arizona, that number is 84%. Gotta say, it sounds pretty bipartisan to me. On the issue of the American Jobs Plan and the American Family Plan, thanks to Data for Progress, we have much more extensive polling on a range of swing states on both these issues and how people feel about them. Let's start with West Virginia. 58% of people there support the American Jobs Plan, including, by the way, 45% of Republicans and 54% of independents. 54% of West Virginians overall support the American Families Plan, including 43% of Republicans. So on both counts, clear majorities. In Arizona, it's even more stark. 68% support the American Jobs Plan, including 51% of Republicans. 
60% support the American Families Plan, although to be fair, fewer Republicans this time, just 36%. But 56% of independents, who in the whole moderate swing state voter thing are supposed to be the people skeptical of these so-called big expensive programs, well, again, 56% of them support the American Families Plan. Georgia is a state where Democrats have to defend a Senate seat next year, the type of place the mainstream media would have you believe could be, quote unquote, in jeopardy if Democrats were to, quote unquote, push through any of these plans. Well, my friends, in Georgia, 68% of people support the American Jobs Plan, including 58% of Republicans. 64% support the American Families Plan, including 45% of Republicans. Pennsylvania, it's an open seat next year, primed to be one of the most high-profile Senate races. Some are suggesting you need a moderate to win, not someone who would do something like, say, in the filibuster to give people a paid day off. Well, in the Keystone State, 74% support the American Jobs Plan, including 56% of Republicans and 72% of independents. 67% support the American Families Plan, including 46% of Republicans. Just to give you a couple more quick ones here, 63% of people support the American Jobs Plan and 57% support the American Families Plan in the state of New Hampshire. In Montana, 54% support the American Jobs Plan. I won't go on and on here. You can go to Data for Progress and see for yourself. But the point being that the idea that these senators are standing up for some forgotten moderate voter in these states by opposing using the Democratic majority to pass these things, well, they're just lying. And ultimately, when you look at the opposition to the plans that they raise taxes on mega corporations, well, it's pretty clear they really are just fronting for the rich. The attempts by Germany to negotiate with the Namibian government, a paltry settlement for the genocide committed by German colonists against the Herero and Nama people between 1904 and 1908 has caused a major controversy now in Namibia, as many have been deeply offended by the terms of this deal. Opposition forces have been blasting the government as did a top Herero official. Edson Isaacs from the opposition Landless People's Movement of Namibia, for instance, stated in Parliament, which had a rowdy session yesterday debating the deal, he said that the deal was quote-unquote substandard. Another LPM member spoke up to tell ruling party officials that, quote, you have not allowed for equal participation based on human rights policies. You have not given us the chance to narrate the economic trauma, end quote. And Germany's proposal, which is to pay a paltry, again, paltry, $1.3 billion in infrastructure costs over 30 years to Namibia and to admit that what was obviously a genocide is a genocide and apologize. And really, when you put all that together, it's almost insulting given the massive wealth of Germany, one of the richest countries on the planet, and the depth of the genocidal actions that the German colonists took. At least 60,000 Hereros and about 10,000 Namas were killed. There were mass executions. Thousands were sent into exile in the desert and died of thirst. Yes, thousands of people were just sent into the desert and died of thirst. The Germans also set up concentration camps, including the infamous Shark Island, also known as Death Island, where inmates were worked to death, literally worked to death. Not only were traditional leaders, at least by their own narrative here, basically excluded from the process, the statements by the German government have been borderline offensive, hedging on the seriousness of the issue. Now, the prime minister of Namibia says that there was indeed consultation with some forces from these various communities, but in an apparent recognition of the points made by those criticizing the deal, the vice president of the country has now stated that, in fact, the amount of money will be revisited 
and increased. Germany, though, seems yet to have agreed to that. Nonetheless, it's clear that the issue won't go away in Namibia, nor should it. The historical wealth of countries like Germany is built off the backs of these colonial actions and genocides. The affected people deserve real reparations, not crumbs in rhetoric. The ongoing tensions in Iraq between Iran and those more influenced by the West in Gulf states is continuing this week when, embarrassingly, the government was forced to release Qasem Mahmoud Musla, a significant leader in Iraq, after attempting to imprison him over claims he was behind attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq. The arrest itself came as a bit of a shock to many around the world, given that Musla is a prominent leader of the popular mobilization forces, the million-strong forces that were the backbone of the fight against ISIS. And in particular, and importantly, Musla was the head of the PMF in the Ambar province. Now, there are a few different threads here, and they're all really related to the power struggles at the top in Iraq. After the murder of Qasem Soleimani and Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis, another high-ranking PMF official by the U.S. last year, Iraq's parliament voted for all U.S. forces to leave the country. The U.S., however, has refused to leave and, in fact, seems to be using negotiations over their leaving to just drag out the process. The U.S., of course, wants to stay because they view removing troops as a setback in their attempt to limit any influence of Iran in the region. There are also forces in the Iraqi elite who view the U.S. and Saudi Arabia as bolstering their ability to gain positions of power and who encourage the idea that they can be a bulwark against Iranian influence, quote unquote, to bolster their currency with those countries. And it, of course, goes both ways. And those countries actually do, in fact, support them and attempt to manipulate the Iraqi governmental process to help them. And one area where those opposition, more pro-U.S., more Saudi forces are centered is the Anbar province. So linking Musla to the attacks on the U.S. then was a way for certain sectors of the government, it seems, to not only curry favor with the U.S., but also to weaken their opponents in a key area. And this is also seen as weakening Iran in a key area by the United States, hence why they would probably like it. But the climb down by the government, prompted by their inability to marshal the necessary evidence, is an embarrassing loss of face. And Musla certainly made the most of it, celebrating with his supporters after he was released. The popular mobilization forces are often considered quote-unquote Iranian-linked, but it's much more complicated than that. And throughout the popular mobilization forces, there are varying degrees of closeness to Iran, but also some tension. And some elements recently have distanced themselves from those who are more willing to use force to pressure the U.S. to leave the country. Now, some might say, if you believe the rumors, that even Iran itself is distancing itself from those forces. But clearly, the government of Iraq thought that they could exploit that with this arrest. So. Bottom line here really is U.S. attempts to manipulate Iraqi politics to push their own agenda against Iran, certainly finding some resonance in the elite, but not too significantly, it seems. But it is, along with the continued U.S. troop presence, a significant factor in exacerbating the internal conflicts of Iraq. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. 
And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh.